Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. For that to be first to fourth, it's, it's, it's pretty bad, man. It's I mean, could bad. you imagine if, like, Chelsea – that means, like, Chelsea would be at 75 and City would be at, like, 31. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. It's, <gasps> it's something. It's interesting. It is something. That's how most people would describe the Foreign Affair podcast. It's interesting, at least, here on episode 154. I am Edward. Yeah, there we did. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall and Crime, Wes Bradshaw. And uh, because we got to get to it quick, because we have plenty to talk about on this jam packed edition of the pod, Premier League Champions League. As that magical song by Jerry Reed from the. One of the finest films ever made, Smokey and the Bandit, said we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. It's true. Archer references. Um, Europa Review, FA Cup semifinal preview, and we'll also have a little bit of news from the championship. We'll also bring you big news and notes uh, involving one of our favorite Hotspur legends, in quotation marks, as well as Watch 4 and So Raw. As always, the pod is brought to you by NGSC Sports. And GSC Sports, we never stop. And I'm Next USA. If you want to be the next star in America, join the folks at I'm Next USA and let them guide you to superstardom. Not just stardom, superstardom. So, with no more adieus, let's head to the football. Um, we're going to talk about four matches this week. Uh, the ones we're not going to talk about Everton 3, Burnley 1. Everton uh, back to winning ways, get three goals. Jags, Ben Mee with the own goal for Burnley. And the Dexter Lukaku with his league leading 23rd goal of the season. Uh, Sam Vokes had a penalty. That was the only result for Burnley. Uh, Sunderland 2, West Ham 2. Fabio Barini scored right at the end of regulation for Sunderland. They had 10 minutes of stoppage time to rescue three points against West Ham, but couldn't do it at the Stadium of Light. Sunderland gets one point, but they needed three. 
West Ham with goals from Andre Au and James Collins. Uh, Crystal Palace 2, Leicester City 2. Christian Benteke gets the draw for Palace with the header in the 70th minute. Just get the big man some service, and he'll get you goals. Uh, Jamie Vardy on the score sheet for the Foxes, but a two-goal lead turned to shreds by Palace. Um, Watford 1, Swansea City 0. Etienne Capu, former Hotspur legend, with a 42nd minute winner for Watford as Swansea stay mired in that relegation battle. Uh, Stoke 3, Hull 1. Any good feelings Hull had going forward, eliminated by Stoke when Peter Crouch and Zerd and Shakiri scored to erase the 1 1 tie. Um, Lastly, it was on the Saturday, Southampton nil, Man City three. Southampton had chances in the first half, couldn't take advantage. And Vincent Company, the company, he is risen for City. He opened the score in the 55th minute. Sané and the Coon with goals as well. And I believe that is uh, all the matches we're not really going to talk about. So let's head back to Saturday where we can go really quickly through our first in-focus match. Um, at White Hart Lane for the second Saturday early morning in a row, Tottenham Hotspur beat a team 4-0. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. Vincent Janssen even scored, as, as one of the Wobbies put it. You know you're having a good day when Vincent Janssen is scoring from open play. His first in the league in that measure came in the 92nd minute. Uh, Harry Kane with his first goal back from injury. Son and Dembele also with goals. Dembele's first since January of 2016. I, Wes, I... I, I don't know what else we can really say about this Spurs team when they just keep beating uh, bottom-tier opposition by four goals to nil. I mean, they're, they're six games away. They can't. They don't really control their own destiny. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, I, I mean, at this point, they're just edging closer and closer to a Champions League berth for the second year in a row, the first time that Spurs would do that. But I mean, again, they just they just kind of keep marching on against a team in Bournemouth that they drew when they went to the Vitality earlier this season. Well, and of course, a year ago at this time, we were starting to see um, we were starting to see signs from Spurs that they were tiring. They were about to come off the tracks, and of course, a I wouldn't call it a, a disastrous end to the season mm-hmm. last year, but definitely good. a disappointing. And in, mm-hmm. in Spurs fans' eyes, and I think with the players, just the way they finished. This year, you've really seen, especially at this late point in the season, you've seen the fitness levels that Pochettino demands. Mm-hmm. You're, you're now completely understanding why and what it means. Um, because you're sitting here in April now, and Spurs, for all their running and all their pressing and everything they've been doing since August – they suddenly look like they're getting stronger by the week. Yeah. Part of it, not to take it away, part of it, you know, look who's on the other side of the ball. But that said, Spurs are definitely going to have opportunities to prove that adage correct in the coming weeks. But right now they're, they're, uh, they're, they're flying, they're playing the best football in the league. Um, they're winning when it matters. Not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, Hey, we're as guilty as anyone. We may have crowned Chelsea a little prematurely. That said, you know, I'm sure we'll get to it. I still think Chelsea are 
by far your favorites, and I still think they're about yes. probably a 98% chance of winning this thing. Um, but, yeah. you know, Chelsea maybe seem like they've taken the, you know, foot off the gas a little bit in the past few weeks. A pair of losses. Uh, we'll obviously get to the United loss here in the next few minutes. But with those pair of losses, instead of having this invincible, uh, you know, invincible lead that no one can overcome, they've, they've left the door cracked for Spurs. Mm-hmm. It would still take a monumental collapse from Chelsea. Sure. Uh, and also, let me say, you know, Spurs still has some tough games coming ahead of them. But, I mean, if you're a Spurs fan, all you can hope for every week is go out and win. I mean, it's kind of like Liverpool fans with United right now. All we can hope for is go out and win and mm-hmm. hope that the team above your, your rival, wh- whatever you're doing, just hope somehow they drop points, whether it be a draw, hope, you know, everyone more wants a loss. But, hey, you know, it's like I've told you, all I need at this point personally, all I need is a one Manchester United draw and Liverpool controls their destiny. Mm-hmm. Well, for Spurs, all they need is Chelsea to keep dropping points and doing what they're doing and just see where everything falls in the middle of May. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you talk about – you know, the fitness levels, and you even mentioned last week, you know, maybe maybe Kane's injury for that month was almost a blessing in disguise, not the hardest of runs that he was out for, and uh, he might be really hitting his stride now and, and really healthy for this uh, six- to eight-match run-in they have, um, depending on how the FA Cup goes. But, yeah, I tell you what, this is this is a Spurs team. It's You, don't, you just don't want to get too excited, as you mentioned, with what happened last year, and they're still... I mean, Chelsea, with, with how good they've been all season, and, and when you look at their schedule coming up, you, you just don't see that many what they call banana peel matches. Like, them going out and losing at United, maybe the way they did was a little surprising. And again, we'll get to that. Okay. Them losing, though, and dropping points isn't that shocking. Um, but, but at the end of the day, as you said, Spurs control their own destiny to return to the Champions League and really as far as trying to win the league all they can do is keep winning matches if they win out and get to 89 points which would be remarkable and and quite frankly the fact that 89 points might not win the league is kind of insane but I mean even when you take that then you start doing the math okay well what would Chelsea have to do if Tottenham does run the table and get to 89, you start doing the math. Well, what does Chelsea have to do? Well, they would probably have to drop at least two games. And I don't mean just draws. I mean lose two games yeah. at that point to, to give Spurs a chance. So it's it still seems very out of reach. But the door has certainly been left slightly ajar. And we'll see if in the coming weeks Spurs can burst through it or not. Um, but yeah, just... You know, with everything going on, I'll tell you this: it could end up being you don't don't want to celebrate it, don't want to don't want to get too out in front of yourselves. That match against Arsenal at the end of April could be could be a reverse Saint Totteringham's Day. Just just would be wonderful to see that the out death there. of Saint Totteringham's Day for at least one year. Yeah, it would it would be it would be nice, and you just got to kill it for one year. That's all you got to kill, kill for one year and kill from there. Um, 
But, but you know, the, the thing is, I mean, if you're Tottenham, just, just do everything in your power. Keep going. Let's say, you know, Tottenham are looking good right now. They're playing great football. Um, and here's my thing, too. I don't think they're going to pull the foot off the gas for the FA Cup. I, th- I think, you know, in the past with the FA Cup, it's been, oh, let's just get rid of it for congestion's sake. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Once you get to this point of the FA Cup, go for it. Screw it. Go for it. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and, and, you know, right now, the, the depth of Spurs is starting to show. It's not just one guy, it's not just two guys. Basically, you know, Pochettino's been able to plug and play at the moment, and everything's just mm-hmm. coming up millhouse for him. Absolutely, and if you're really looking at it, you know, with the FA Cup and talking about congestion, you got one match left in season, and that's mm-hmm. this weekend's match against uh, Chelsea in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. The final, if you get past Chelsea, won't be till after the league is done. So. Exactly. Not adding that much, so might as well go out and just win the damn thing. Um, the team you were just talking about a little, a little, a little bit ago, haha, <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, West Brom nil, Liverpool one. Liverpool do just enough to get another nervy win on the road. Roberto Firmino, with his second goal in as many matches, hits it in stoppage time in the first half to send the Hawthorns home unhappy. You know, Wes, this is this is one of those matches. Not not that West Brom is a bottom team by any means, but for Liverpool, going on the road against a non-top six side was a little bit worrisome. And yet, here they go out and they they not only get a win, but they grind out a one-nil road victory. And that, you know, might not be the most aesthetically pleasing thing in the world, but for Jurgen Klopp, that's gotta that's gotta take something. As they start, you know, not now, not just building to try and maintain their Champions League position through the end of this year, but to really build towards next year and maybe make a title push. You say not aesthetically pleasing with what this victory meant, where Mm -hmm. it happened, everything that took place around it, the personnel available to him. This was as gorgeous to me as beating the shit out of Arsenal. <laughs> I mean, it was it was that damn good just because of how important it was. I mean, you look at a Liverpool team that, I mean, going into this match, you know, you've got no Lalana, no Jordan Henderson, no Sadio Mane. Uh, you know, we're 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 kind of stringing together a, a, a center back pair who, you know, you never know from week to week if, if they're healthy, if they're going to be able to play together. Um, Lucas, my God, Lucas, the, the, the beautiful Brazilian Lucas, who I've been ready to get rid of I don't know how many times over the last <laughs> five years. Um, every time that Lucas Leiva's back is against the wall and everyone's ready to get rid of him, he has to get plug and played, and he just does something amazing. He had a Can I tell a real quick story? Already Just since since you love to bring up, and not unrightly so, um, when when we were in Charlotte and you told everybody in the media panel, as the story grows now, that Mesut Ozil was maybe the most overrated player in Europe, there was also a year before that when when we sat in that same press box and you told me, eh, we might you know we might be seeing one of Lucas's last games for Liverpool, so. <laughs> Here we are, almost four years later, 
Still plugging away. <laughs> and, and now we're sitting, and now the stories are coming back. Oh, they're going to sit down this summer and, and look at his deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lucas is just this guy where it's like, like I say, you know, for me, there, there was a poll question this week. <clears throat> um, Liverpool fans, do you want Lucas Leva in the squad next year? My answer was yes, but I don't really want him playing more than 15 matches. Um, yeah. Lucas is a guy, though, when when the chips are down, when your back's against the wall, when someone's injured, when you have to plug somebody in, especially that, at that center defensive mid position, he has the ability to come in and just absolutely command the pitch. That said, he is, he is the only actual true central defensive mid that we have on our roster. Um, and... You know, when you ask him to do too much, you know, I think we were ready to kill him a few months ago because of how he played at central defense. Well, he's mm-hmm. not a central defender. I mean, we were plugging and playing him there, and he, he did a solid job. He just had a bad game when, you know, he he uh, he couldn't run with the with the forwards. Mm-hmm. But he did such a such a masterful job the other day of breaking up play, putting in tackles, putting in strong English tackles uh, for a Brazilian, yeah. um, playing the ball out from the back. Just everything he touched turned to gold. Um, it was a a magnificent victory for Liverpool. And I say that Ed, we talk about you know Liverpool playing well. They're a non-top six team. Worse than that, that is the first time a Liverpool team has ever gone on the road in the league and defeated a Tony Pulis-led squad. And that goes back to, you know, Crystal Palace. Mm -hmm. We had – I mean, we'd gone and taken a point every now and then, but we have never beaten Pulis on the road in the league. And here we are, knowing the circumstances, knowing everything going on around us with the injuries – Liverpool able to go in there, grind out the 1-0 win. And truth be told, if you sit and watch the match, Liverpool could have you – know, I know we say this a lot, and this doesn't mean diddly squat in the grand scheme of things. Could have been 2-3-0 easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simone Mignolet continues to wear the mask of a number one goalkeeper. Um, I'm, I, God, this is bad. Because Mignolet is another one of those guys that we're always trying to get rid of. And it seems like every time you're ready to just murder Mignolet, he does something amazing. Another week, another fantastic one-on-one save um, that that literally saved the game for us at, uh, at about the 70, I think it was about the 75-minute mark of, of the match. Goes in one-on-one, takes a ball away, and Liverpool preserve. Um, the, the comedic relief moment of the match we call it comedic relief. I literally almost shit a brick. Um, when, uh, you know, you always think about it, and Liverpool actually got the chance to pull it off and blew it spectacularly. When the opposing team's keeper comes up into the box to try to get that header, you know, let's put an extra man in the box. Oh, he's usually tall. Well, <clears throat> Liverpool did a really good job of getting that ball and quickly shuffling it out, and it goes to the just-introduced, oh, much-maligned, Alberto Moreno. Moreno takes his dribbles. At the moment, I wanted to literally murder Moreno. Now, going back and watching it about three or four times, you can't really give him too much shit other than the fact he just didn't put it in. Moreno takes a shot from just inside the halfway line, and it just completely curves 
the, uh, far away from the goal. I mean, <laughs> wide open box, and you know Moreno can't get to go in. Everyone's screaming, "Oh, why didn't he pass it to Sturge? Sturge was offside. Why didn't he pass it to Chan? Literally, unless his eyes were in the backside of his head, he would not have seen Emery Chan coming. <laughs> so I'll give. I mean, I don't have any hate for Alberto Moreno for that. It was just one of those you've got to be shitting me moments, especially when then, as you know, as completely advertised, West Brom come down, throw a ball in the box, and just come inches away from equalizing. <laughs> Which, as I heard, I heard out one Liverpool uh, caster say this week, you know, I don't think we would have been upset. I think we would have just laughed about the whole thing. In which another one said, "Speak for yourself." I would have shit a brick. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what? Liverpool go on the road. They go to the Hawthorns, which is never an easy place for anyone to go. No matter Liverpool or or whoever you are, that is not an easy place to go. They go, they get the victory. And, you know, at the end of the day, Liverpool are a team. Right now, Liverpool completely control their destiny. Unite, if both Liverpool and United win out every match on the way, right now, Liverpool, they would finish level on points. Liverpool have about a six or seven goal cushion in goal differential. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless United just starts smashing people 5-0, which that ain't happening, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, Liverpool control their own destiny. Win out, you're going to the Champions League. Um, And then, of course, you know, third place is very much in play because don't forget, even in that two teams win out scenario, if United win out, that that means they beat City, which means Liverpool would finish ahead of City. So um, third place, third place, most of all third. Yes, top four is the goal. Third would be so much better because there would be no qualifying round. Um, right now, third place is definitely in play for Liverpool. Fantastic. Well, I, I do think that they are going to probably make the run in. And, and as you said, and now with it holding the last couple of weeks, maybe, just maybe, that schedule is actually breaking for them properly. So uh, we'll have to see if that continues to hold as Liverpool plays their final five coming up here. And don't forget um, how those final five three at home. Yeah, that's that's oh, not too because, bad. Not because too of, because bad. Because of the uh, early – oh, it actually, is it three at home or four at home? Because remember, Liverpool played uh, – Liverpool played like their first three matches on the road this year because of Anfield construction. They might actually have four of those at home. It's three. It's three. Okay. It's, uh, okay. It's, three. it's Palace, Southampton, and Middlesbrough at home, That's Watford right. and West Ham on the road. Right. Although, apparently, and this is weird, uh, when uh-huh. you guys play West Ham, you guys are playing at the Olympic Stadium. So is that kind of a neutral site? or? I don't know. I, I mean, what about um, what about Upton Park? Oh, no. no. I don't yeah. West Ham have a yeah. new stadium. They're playing the Olympic Stadium. Didn't know if you knew that or not. Read it somewhere this week. 33 weeks, everybody. We got five weeks of this joke left, and then we're done. I promise. Five more weeks of this joke. <laughs> we sort of promise. Oh. Speaking of five more weeks of this joke, uh, Arsenal getting a <laughs> very tight. <laughs> nice. Gorgeous. <laughs> 
Some of these just happen organically. Uh, Arsenal with a tight 2-1 win on the road at Middlesbrough. Uh, Alexis Sanchez hauling this team by himself to the finish line. Got the goal in the 42nd minute. Alvaro Negredo scored a rare Burrow goal in the 50th. But Mesut Ozil, who despite the goal, is still probably the most overrated player in Europe, won it for Arsenal in the 71st. I be- that's I kind of want to say that's his first goal of the calendar year. I might be wrong. I don't know, but we'll, we'll have to check on that. But um, Wes, I guess for the moment, Arsenal somewhat right the ship. Uh, they do keep their place in the top six steady, um, but they are now three full still behind United. And even with match in hand, are seven behind City with only seven to play. So it, it, even with the win, uh, it still doesn't look like Arsenal is going to have enough to, to pull out of this hole. They still have Leicester, and um, that'll, they'll have Leicester in the next midweek. They'll have Tottenham right after that. They'll have United right after that. And then they still have the Saints, Stoke, Sunderland, eh and then Everton to finish off the season. So if Liverpool have a pretty decent and easy run in, Arsenal have the exact opposite. Yeah, it's a brutal run in for Arsenal. And uh, <clears throat> as you said, they do somewhat right the ship against Middlesbrough. That said, Middlesbrough is a team that is just bereft of goals. You, know, you, you made the comment, a, mm-hmm. a rare, a rare uh, Middlesbrough goal, even more rare, a Navis goal. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um but, I mean, give Arsenal credit. I mean, they came out, they did what they needed to do. If they had lost this past week to Middlesbrough, I mean, this whole season would have completely imploded around them. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, they, they kind of lived to play another day. You know, as you said, they do have the match in hand on City. They have two in hand on Liverpool, but they're nine back of Liverpool. Yeah. So... I mean, really, at this point, for Arsenal to make the top four, a it would be, it would be the greatest ever escape. Obviously, by Arsene Wenger to get in the top four, it might be one of the greatest ever escapes to get a team back in the top four, uh, because you, you're basically looking at at United and City, who are both red hot, and yeah. and you're asking both of them, basically, you're asking both of them to shit the bed. <laughs> and I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, they're they're obviously somebody's dropping points when they play each other. Uh, like I said, nil nil draw. That's what we're looking for. Nil nil draw. Um, but someone's going to have to lose some points there. But uh, for Arsenal, I mean, it's just it's it is a brutal brutal ask for that group to get into the top four at this point. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really, really tough. Like, so many teams above them are going to have to collapse. And, and yes, they do play Tottenham and United, but it, it, it's just, I don't think it's going to be enough. And that's not even coming from a, you know, a Spurs supporter standpoint. I just honestly yeah. don't think this year they have enough. Um, yeah, and, and, and they I mean, just, and they just at... yeah, they, they dug themselves in too big of a hole. And this time they're just, they're not going to be able to get out. 
Um, so lastly then, Wes, let us head to Old Trafford where United pulled the 2-0 win against Chelsea. Uh, Josie Mourinho still pointing to the crest on his jacket as he's walking around at Manchester right now. Marcus Rashford, uh, seventh-minute goal in that one, very quickly out of the gates, um, as, as Josie would tell Anthony Martial, give me more like that. Uh, Ander Herrera also with a goal in the 49th minute. Ander Herrera also may have somewhat humbled. <clears throat> To lead to the Rashford goal earlier on in the match, um, but Wes, this is this is a match that it's it, it's funny how it kind of mirrored when Tottenham played Chelsea at home, in that it was two quick strikes, and beyond that, United and Spurs both didn't do anything too out of the ordinary, but you also never felt after the two 0 lead. Like, Chelsea were ever really going to get back in the game. And that's something very odd to say about a team that is that has only lost now four matches all year. Um, sorry, five matches now all year. They're leading the Premier League by four points. You wouldn't think a 2-0 lead would be like, well, they, they can still totally come back here. I mean, they have too many weapons. But just the way the game went on and the way they played, you just never felt like... The, the great Chelsea run was coming on. And that, that to me is, you know, you can say, well, Alonso was out, Thibaut Courtois was out. And so that, that certainly doesn't help. But, you know, I wonder how much of this was the result of Mourinho, who, by the way, didn't start Zlatan Ibrahimovic. How much of that was his game plan against Chelsea working? And how much was Chelsea just really coming out of this match pretty flat? Um, you talk about the injuries. I think those were big. Courtois, obviously, is a big-time goalkeeper. Alonso went down in, in pre-match warm-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, that, Alonso has been such a huge addition for Chelsea this year. Um, <clears throat> that was tough. But, you know, what I noticed of this match was that Antonio Conte, who has been, like, this complete maniac all season yeah. on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Every time they showed him, he was just kind of standing there like, oh, man, yeah. shit. You know, he kind of had that look. Um, he, he was sitting a lot of the time, which is just very un-Conte-like. I, I just I think there was a lot going on. There is something, there is something going on behind the scenes with Diego Costa. I mean, he is God. He is nothing like the player that he was earlier this season. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if it's just Costa being Costa, which means he's being a petulant little fucking prick. Um, you know, is is he still pissed that he didn't get his major money moved to China? Uh, yeah. I, there's something going on there, and you're going to see in the off season, Chelsea. Chelsea might move Costa. If they don't, either way, though, they're going to have to bring in a big-time striker because I think it's been shown we can't continue on just trusting in Diego because he's not the Diego Costa of two years ago. Whether it's been injury that's robbed him of some pace, some of his brutishness, whether, as we said, it's it's the fact that he's kind of batshit crazy and you never know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, they're heavily, heavily linked with once again bringing Lukaku back. Um, mm-hmm. This could be definitely the time for them to do that. 
but they need they need another option. Obviously, Conti feels Batshuayi is not that guy right now, at least. Um, yeah. You know, that's really going down as I mean, hey, they're still probably going to win the league, but you know, that's really going down as a money as money not well spent at this moment by Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But there was just like too much not going Chelsea's way against United, um, and, and you know, United were able to. I mean, you know, they had the perfect Mourinho game plan. They got the two goals, and then they just sat there, absorbed anything Chelsea was able to muster up to throw at them, and they just kind of strangled the game off. Um, it was yeah. it was a match that was so built up. You know, and I'm not saying this is a Liverpool homer, but, you know, when, when you seem like you get these Liverpool matches that are built up, you know, whether it be Everton or Arsenal or City – you know, or Tottenham, something like that, you know, then Liverpool plays, you get fireworks. You know, mm-hmm. if it's not goals, it's near goals, it's incredible saves, it's horrific howling misses from both sides, it's up and down, it's back and forth. You know, this match was so built up. And then, I mean, obviously, if you're a United fan, you're pleased at the end of the day. But, you know, we've, we've said things in the past like, wow, Liverpool, Everton. If you're a casual fan, you enjoyed that match. You know, Liverpool, <laughs> Arsenal. If you're a casual fan, you enjoyed that match. I don't think, you know, you might have gotten the casual fans who, oh, it's Man United and Chelsea. Oh, I got to see this. And they said, they're like, oh, God, what do these nerds like soccer for? <laughs> you know, oh, God, that was boring. <laughs> you know, and, and that's just that's yeah. kind of what you get. But that's that's Mourinho, and I'm not saying what Mourinho does is wrong because obviously he's incredibly successful. But you sometimes you just get so much buildup, and then it doesn't pay off. You know what else hasn't paid off this year? The massive Liverpool Man United buildup. Yeah. Now let's look at that. One team delivers with buildup, one team doesn't. So I wonder who we're throwing that more on. <laughs> so. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a, but in Mourinho's defense is another example of him doing exactly what he needs to do at exactly the right time and getting a massive result, which keeps them firmly in the top four race. Yeah, and that's that's really all Mourinho needs to do, and you know he loves sticking it to his former club. You know that oh, the, the yeah. relationship is not very strong there so anything to keep uh united going and and maybe even potentially be the the start of the chelsea snowball downhill um maybe that that plays into it he would i think he would be very very happy if uh chelsea somehow end up losing this title to tottenham what Um, what do you think at the end of the day would make Mourinho truly in his heart happier this year giving united in the top four or Chelsea finishing second. Oh, oh! The fact that he played a role in it this late in the season—if Chelsea lose like the next three matches, absolutely, it's that. Oh, oh, he take a fifth place finish this year for that. I agree with you. <laughs> wow, that would be amazing. Josie, never stop being Josie. And and real quick, I know we are going to talk a little bit more in the FA Cup preview, but as far as Chelsea goes, and, and you talk about the, somewhat of the chaoticness, this is a team, bringing back Josie, that coming off of winning the title basically said, nah, we don't like our manager, so fuck it. We're not really going to play hard 
until he's gone. And then they still couldn't really turn it on even after he left. This is a team that isn't emotionally stable in a lot of areas. And if they get on, if they lose, if they lose this week to Spurs in the FA Cup semifinal, then in the span of two weeks, they'll have gone from seven points up with seven to play and a realistic chance at the double to going to um, four points up with six to play and having to hold on now for dear life to one trophy. And I think that I'm not saying it will because then, and then even then Spurs still would have to close the deal. But that two week period could be a break point for Chelsea. It's suddenly those those buttholes are going to be getting a little tight. As we like to say, might be shitting a few diamonds. Um, and just think if Chelsea fell apart, Abramovich could probably still fire Conte before the season's over. <laughs> Which would be like completely full circle, like back in September. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't forget, he was the bookies' odds-on favorite to be the first manager fired. <laughs> <laughs> and then, he, then he goes from dominating the league to wing to, uh, you know, uh, in theory winning the title to, oh, there is a week left. We will not win. I fire you now. They're going to bring back Mourinho. <laughs> oh, so of course, that's what they're going to do. Of course oh. it is. I mean, I just, I, I think it'd just be very interesting. We, we talked about it a little bit because I saw some people saying, oh, well, Costa's been so much happier this year, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Costa's happy when he's scoring goals and his team's winning. If it's not, and we saw this, again, to bring it up, in the Spurs-Chelsea match at White Hart Lane, when Costa, at about the 25th minute, did a two-minute dressing down of Pedro because he didn't feed it to him for, for a goal-scoring opportunity. I mean, that's yep. that's the kind of guy Costa is. He's great, and I've played with guys like that. He's great when you're winning, but when you're not, it is shitty. It I believe, shitty. I want to say number-wise, he's only scored like four goals this year in the calendar. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, his scoring has really fallen off. Um, <clears throat> so... We'll, we'll see. I just I think there's still going to be some surgery coming up on this Chelsea roster in the offseason. There's talk about Fabregas perhaps going to Juventus. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or not even, no, to, uh, to PSG, I believe. Was it PSG? I okay. think I heard. Maybe it was PSG. Um, but, you know, there's, there's going to be some overhaul of that squad. I don't think it's going to be quite as significant as maybe Cities is going to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it'll be... It'll definitely be something to keep your eye on. Uh, but I, th- I think right now, I think Costa's got a big... I think he's still got a big role to play in either a positive or a negative way for uh, mm-hmm. for Chelsea. Yeah, he, he is somewhat the key as they go forward here. Um, now, as we look at this week's schedule, which, again, is somewhat abbreviated because it is an FA Cup semifinal weekend... You do have some matches, though. Uh, Manchester, oh, sorry. Uh, West Ham plays Everton at 10 o'clock. Hull plays Watford as well. Swansea, Stoke, and Bournemouth, Middlesbrough. Again, all those at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Then on Sunday, 
Um, Burnley hosts Manchester United Turf Moor. That that is kind of tough. You know, I just had a big win. That's tricky. And, uh, That's tricky. That's tricky that for is, United. We're not being sarcastic, folks. If you've been following us this year, you know Turf Moor is not an easy place to go win a football game, um, especially not for a team that doesn't really score goals like United does. And then at 11:30, uh, Liverpool hosts Crystal Palace at Anfield, uh, trying to make it, I believe, three on the bounce for Liverpool. Uh, score. Right. And then on uh, Tuesday, April 25th, uh, Chelsea hosts Southampton at Stamford Bridge. And on Wednesday, April 26th is a big old makeup day. Arsenal gets Leicester, Middlesbrough and Sunderland take off in a battle of the bottom two teams. And then Crystal Palace welcomes Tottenham to Selhurst Park. So it could be a very big week in the Premier League. Your standings as we enter the home stretch here. Chelsea, as we've mentioned, four points up on Spurs. Liverpool, five points back of Tottenham right now. City, two behind them, but they do have match in hand. Manchester United currently six back of Liverpool with two matches in hand, as Wes mentioned. If they draw once, Liverpool will control their own destiny. Arsenal in six with 57, as does Everton, but Arsenal has two matches in hand at the bottom of your heart the relegation zone hull two points clear of swansea uh swansea um are in 18th middlesbrough six out of safety sunderland nine out and you can see now why getting that win over west ham would have been huge for them all right wes let's talk champions league as the quarterfinals have wrapped up we uh, no, we no, didn't really get quick, to talk about it real quick yeah, don't tell me because I'm in the 71st minute of Real Madrid-Bayern, and it's tied at two, and Madrid lead on the way goals. No way anything crazy is going to happen here. Definitely yeah. nothing controversial. You're about 12 minutes away from everything going bananas. Actually, you're not even really that, because Cashmero probably should have been sent off in about the next five. Um, wow. We'll get to that. Um, as, as Wes mentioned, elsewhere in Madrid, though, although this match was played at the KP in Leicester, uh, Leicester draws Atletico 1-1. Jamie Vardy with the goal in the 61st minute to give Leicester hope. They couldn't find uh, enough goals, though, to get through. They would have needed um, two more, actually, because of the Atletico getting the away goal in that match. Um, but Leicester go down valiantly in the Champions League. Atletico back to the final four. Uh, Monaco, whew, this is a fun, 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 fun Monaco team. Um, led by Kylian Mbappe uh, with his third goal of the tie, put Dortmund in a hole early, just three minutes into the match. Falcao in the 17th, and then Jermaine icing it in the 81st. Uh, Marco Royce did have a goal for Dortmund, but Monaco wins at the Stade Louis de 3-1, they win 6-3 on aggregate as the better French team in the Champions League this year apparently ends up going on to the semis. <laughs> and and by sure. the way, you know, enjoy this Monaco team now because they are going to get completely ripped apart this summer. And the thing is, Monaco's like, they're like, yeah, it's just going to happen. We know it's going to happen. One wild ride, guys. Um, Barcelona cannot conjure enough magic again at the Camp Nou uh, to erase a 3-0 Juventus lead. You never felt like the old lady was going to give up a 3-0 lead like their oil brethrens in, in France. But it's a nil-nil draw. 
Juventus goes through 3-0 on aggregate thanks to their 3-0 win in Turin last week. And finally, Wes, the match you are watching. I'm sorry to spoil this for you. It's been so My... clean and nicely played thus far. I just can't see anything crazy happening here. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. You, um... <laughs> what the hell, Casimiro? You psychopath. Did you just see that? Yeah, I've obviously seen it. But yes, it just happened again in front yeah. of my face. Well, well, that's what I meant. Did you literally just see it happening again on your TV oh, screen? Yes. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, my God. Well, I I don't even know where to begin with this one. Real Madrid beats Bayern 6-3 on aggregate, wins 4-2 and added extra time at the Bernabeu. I, I, yeah, they, get, they get three goals and extra time because you know, two of them were maybe offsides even. I, I don't and the only one that wasn't was the third one that really didn't matter anymore at that point. Yeah, it was it was the oh. pr- the proverbial stop it stop it they're already dead. Um and and, and for the second straight match West Baron plays a large portion of it and I'm, I I want to actually go into the stats here um and, and see just exactly how long it was. Um I I believe they played for maybe 90 minutes. Javi Martinez sent off in the 61st minute in match one. Um, so that was roughly half an hour of the first match. Um, uh, Vidal sent off in about the 83rd minute, which means that was about another 39, 40 minutes. So Baron played 71 out of the 210 minutes in this tie down a man. That's nothing, nothing some, shady, nothing shady about this at all. Barely believable, as some might say. Um, as, as as we know, the Vidal red card, the second yellow he earned in, in this in the second leg of the tie, was maybe one of the worst calls we've ever seen in our lives. And and as I said today, Wes, this is I, I said it when City played Tottenham <laughs> at home a, a month ago, two ago. If this isn't a case. For instant replay in football, the, the the multiple offsides goals and this, I I don't know what is anymore. But it, you know, as as the Champions League has proven this year, you know what the Champions League always says when you say, "Wow, that Vidal call was one of the worst th- one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life." The Champions <laughs> League then says, "Hold my beer." Hold my beer. The 2017 catchphrase of the year. Because then come the the pair of offside Ronaldo goals, I... which are just oh God. And what's so sickening about it is Ronaldo for for the most part of this match was absolute flaming bag of dog shit. Yep. I mean, he sucked. He does. Uh, this is not a Ronaldo smear, by the way. It's just he—he he literally is to a point. Oh, what an own goal by Ramos! He's literally to—he—he's gotten to a point where he's—he's he's become almost nothing more than like a poacher. Mm-hmm. Which hey, not to take nothing away because shit, he can still score a ton of goals that way. But Ronaldo is no longer that player who you know can do so many different things. You know those famous stepovers that Ronaldo's known for. He still does them, but now he does them like 
when he has five or six yards between him and the player in front of him, mm-hmm. you know, he became famous doing those because, you know, he was like within a yard and just fucking you over with his feet. <laughs> so, you know, it was, um, he is certainly not the Ronaldo of old. I mean, his hair is still magnificent. His olive skin is still radiant. Um, but we are seeing, we are starting to see the, we're definitely seeing the back end of the career of Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. And there are times in this match where, I mean, it's it's very difficult to sit there and watch him and remember, oh yeah, this is like, this guy is still to, to some considered the best player in the, in the game. Well, didn't we also say that last year in the Champions League final and also somewhat in the the uh-huh. Euro 2016 as well? Uh-huh. Where he, he, now he is still the master of the big moment. Don't get yeah. that wrong. And there's a place for that. There's absolutely a place for that. But he's no longer, he's no longer this guy who just does so much for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, really turns matches on their head and takes over matches by himself. He's not that guy anymore. Well, but, and, uh, and well, from Madrid, he, they needed goals. He got a hat trick. And you just you have to feel for Bayern like so much. Like the, the way they controlled that game, I, I, I want to go back to the stats here really quick and just see oh, um, because I'm sure it, it's it took a bit of a turn once they got into into the less of it. Yeah, Bayern ended up Win it with 53% of the possession at the end of the match. I, th- I feel like before Vidal got sent off, it was maybe more in like the low to mid 60s. Like you, you just, it, it kind of felt like Baron was very much in control of this match. And I'll even give him credit. The last 10 minutes of regulation, Baron almost looked the more likely to score in the first few minutes of, of stoppage time. Oh, it yeah. looked like they really went for it, and then and then everything just kind of collapsed around them. And 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 as someone who doesn't really care for either team, like I'm sorry, but uh, I I feel nothing for a team that just doesn't even get challenged in its league. And, and it just I, goes and buys all their buys yeah. all the best players from the other teams in the league. Yeah, it it's still it wasn't fun watching them lose this way. It was. And, it was pretty gut-wrenching. Well, and too, when you do think of a couple guys on Bayern who are all-time class acts, who were who basically ended up playing their final Champions League match. Xabi Alonso. Xabi uh, Alonso and Philip Lahm, uh, both World Cup winners, both uh, Champions League winners. Um, you know, and, and guys who... I just I don't think there are many opposing fans who have bad things to say about either Alonzo or Philip Lom. And for them to kind of go out like this, yeah. I mean that's that's disappointing. And I mean apparently there was a lot after the match. Uh, they had to physically remove some Bayern players from the officials' mm-hmm. dressing room. Um, <clears throat> you know Arturo Vidal who was set off in this match. Uh, for, as we said, one of the weakest, absolutely weakest second yellow cards I've ever seen in my life. It wasn't even a foul. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, he got, he completely played the ball and there was a little bit of incidental contact. I mean, nowhere in the world does that 
nowhere in the world does that even, you know, anyone else ever even think about, oh, let me throw a yellow card out here. Especially when you know the guy's on a yellow. Yeah. I mean, and now don't get me wrong, Arturo Vidal, he kind of gets this because his reputation precedes him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, where Casimiro's literally, like, taking an axe and chopping people's knees out. I mean, Vidal plays the ball perfectly, takes possession away, and catches a second yellow into red. And, I mean, for Munich, I think at that point, for Bayern Munich, they can ju- they just kind of hang their heads and are like, what the hell do we have to do to win here? I mean, they still came, don't get me wrong. They still fought, they still pushed. But I think at that point, the realization kind of set into them, Shit, you know, we've come to Barcelona, and I believe as Thomas Muller said, it was 14 against 10. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, or we've come to Real Madrid. I'm sorry, I, I think I said Barcelona. We've come to Real Madrid. Yeah. And, you know, Real Madrid is just one of those places, you know, they say in college football, you know, don't, you know, don't leave it in the referee's hand when you go to Notre Dame. Well, Real Madrid's about as close as there is to a Notre Dame in the world of professional football. So, uh, you know, same same logic applies, I guess. I will say this, and this this article um, maybe lets you know. You you mentioned the players having to be forcibly removed from the the referee's dressing room for Bayern. Um, UEFA announcing that they will not seek any action against Bayern or the players for doing so. As I, and I just I wonder if maybe that's a bit of a of a tacit sort of we we're not going to come out and agree with you that these were some of the worst calls we've ever seen in our life, but we're not not just saying only that only only because we don't want to completely undermine our uh, we don't want to completely undermine our officiating crews as I just see the dog getting the second yellow and oh my god this is. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller is not in a joking mood right now. You, you do not want an angry German. Wait, here it is. Face. Oh my! Oh my God! There is this. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. There's daylight. There was daylight there. I mean, anyway, well, I mean that's that's called that's called football. That that would literally be like you know, sacking a quarterback and them throwing a flag on you, just saying, "Oh, you hit him too hard." Yeah, well, good thing we don't watch the American in, in our bastardized American version. Um, so now we have, as, as we'll try to move on, uh, Monaco, Juventus, Atletico, and Real. We, are, we don't know the draw because, again, we, we, we've taped these on Wednesday nights. Draw is uh, going to be this Friday, uh, as well as after the Europa League matches are played. Um, Wes... Uh, is there anybody that's going to beat Real at this point? I mean, Juventus has looked very, very good. So maybe, maybe, and obviously all this depends, of course, on the draw, but does anybody come out of there or could we be headed, again, depending on the draw, to another Madrid-Madrid derby in the final? Oh, that'd be horrible. I'm really, really hoping for Madrid-Madrid semifinal. And not just, not, not because I don't want to see it in the final. The biggest reason is because in these, if you look at the numbers, Atletico, God, there's a number out there. Atletico in the knockout rounds 
the last eight matches they've played against non-Real Madrid matches, they're like 8-0. Mm-hmm. Oh. They have eight wins. Mm-hmm. They're 0-3 against Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe two of those two of those were in the finals. Yeah. It, it just seems like over one match, Atletico can't get over Madrid. I want to see if they can do it over two matches. I think two. I think a home and away, which you know, isn't much of a home and away for them. But uh, <laughs> I think I think over two legs, I think Atletico could have the advantage over Real over two legs. But I think in mm-hmm. a one game playoff, Real beats them. And um, you know, I've never been a big Real Madrid hater. I don't hate Real Madrid. I'm just you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to see them do it after the way this went down. I'm just I'm yeah. kind of pissed with them now. Just that the way this has happened, <clears throat> um, Monaco would definitely be the sexy, sexy underdog pick. God, how mm-hmm. awesome would it be to see Monaco win the Champions League? And once again, knowing that entire team's about to be dismantled, it doesn't Lord matter. Marlins, what baby. They do. Seriously, it does not matter what they do. They're, this team is being dismantled at the end of the season. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they've got they've got about six players. They got a half a dozen guys on there, and they're probably going to get like near two hundred million pounds for them. Can you imagine <laughs> any other European team doing the the big double, winning your league and winning the Champions League, and then just saying, "Hey, our best guys are open for you." So, uh, who do you want? No chance. I mean, no chance. But I, I happen to read a really interesting story about Monaco today, and. <laughs> The problem is, you know, Monaco had gotten a, uh, <clears throat> they got the Russian oil money mm-hmm. back in about 2011. And initially they were just, that's what they were going to do. They were going to spend, they were going to catch, you know, their goal was to catch up with PSG and be on that level. You know, in one summer they bought, uh, you know, they bought Falcao when he was at the top of his game. They bought James when he was an up and coming mm-hmm. stud puppy. Um, they bought uh, Jao Matinho when he was an up-and-coming stud puppy. They spent about 150 million euros that summer on just those three players. And then what happens? Women screw up everything, Ed. <laughs> the, uh, the Russian billionaire goes through this, like, massive divorce, and his wife gets, like, the largest divorce settlement. In. She got, like, $4 billion in the divorce. It's pretty good. And suddenly... Oh shit! We can't really do this anymore. We can't just spend all the money in the world because we feel like it. So they have really had to rely on their uh, on their academy, which has always been a really good academy. You know, you look at the past. Monaco have had success before. Um, a certain guy by the name of Arsene Wenger <laughs> took them to a Champions oh, League. Um, you know, Thierry Henry, Emmanuel Petit, all these guys who became Arsenal legends. They were all at Monaco back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, And, I mean, they did great. You know, in 2003, they actually were in the Champions League final and lost to um, Jose Mourinho in Porto. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is a club that has success in the past, and they've done it by being able to bring up players through their academy. Really fascinating read, but this group of players – they just they understand you know no longer are they in it to be the big money players you know they're they're happy to develop guys and then when the right offer comes in you know what they sell them and they bring in new players and Mm -hmm. it just looks like that's what's going to happen with monaco 
Um, even even if they turn around and win the European title, you know, they understand this is a, you know, this group was a, you know, they, they resisted a lot of offers this past summer um, on some of these players who have really come up big this year. They resisted offers. That's going to make them a lot of money in the transfer market, but mm-hmm. it has also given them the opportunity to kind of have this amazing, magical season. So... You know what? Enjoy it while you can. If you are a neutral to this, you are definitely probably going to pull for Monaco. A, I mean, dude, Monaco is like the only cool place in France. We know that. Uh, and B, they are they are they're the top scoring team in Europe. Um, they have an unbelievable front line. Hey, check out these guys now because they'll probably be playing for a team that you like in the next few years. That's true. So, so get on them early and uh, just Monaco go, going potentially through another rebuilding process would be kind of sad. Just kind of like a little bit like Dortmund uh, might also be doing. Um, I'm not surprised that those two teams were linked. So we'll see which of these four uh, managed to get to the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff on June 3rd for the final. Which actually feels, let me throw it, feels let me, super late. When is it? June 1st? June third, which is because I think it, it's usually well, on Memorial Day weekend. Last year was on Memorial Day weekend because I remember watching it. I was at the beach and I remember watching it. Um, well, I know so it's usually Memorial Day weekend because I remember the last few years I've been watching it while uh, at the ACC tournament in Durham. So that's right. That's right. Let's take hmm. a quick. Let's take a quick look at the calendar real quick. And well, it, it turns out Memorial Day is a little early this year. Memorial Day is actually on the 29th. So the 31st of May isn't until that Wednesday, so a couple days after that. So, I, I, I mean, I guess you can see it. I kind of like it on, I like it on Memorial Day weekend. I mean, you know, cons- considering that's an American holiday and <laughs> this is a European competition, I don't think they really give too big of a shit about our holiday. It's just nice for us. Uh, let me throw in one more thing before we move off of the Champions League. Um, sure. I'm, I feel a little hard done for Dortmund. I mean, they literally are the victims of a terrorist attack. Yeah. And their match gets pushed back to 18 hours. Yeah. Without being asked. Without being asked. Yeah, without being asked, yeah. I mean, not, it's just, okay, hey, we're just going to push your match back. Oh, okay, how long? Uh, tomorrow at lunchtime. What the hell? I mean, when you look at it, Ed, I mean, you've got... I mean, they have a player in the hospital in Mark Bartra who suffered a broken wrist out of this whole thing. You know, uh, you've heard from players who are like, you know, fuck football at this point. I'm genuinely terrified for my life. Uh, There was one player, I cannot remember who they said it was, but, I mean, he said he hasn't slept in two weeks. I mean, he hasn't been able to sleep because every time he tries to sleep, all he thinks about are bombs going off around the freaking bus. And UEFA gives them... Well, okay, take 18 hours off, get yourselves ready, and then you've got to play. What the hell, man? You know, usually we kind of give UEFA a little more of a pass than we do, obviously, FIFA. Or obviously the NCAA or Roger Goodell. But this is this is definitely Roger Goodell-level bullshit. And um, you know, for Dortmund, I think, uh, I think they can feel hard done, and I don't think anyone can blame them one bit for it. Not at all, and that, that is truly... It, it sucks. It just sucks for them. And you feel bad. Ah, 
we're really quickly we're gonna go just let you guys know the uh, the FA Cup again is this weekend uh, on Saturday at twelve thirty Chelsea versus Tottenham Hotspur at Wembley on uh, Sunday Arsenal takes on Manchester City same time uh, winners will move on to the final to play each other again at Wembley and uh, we'll see again who can uh, who will meet up for the title it should be a great match either way and lastly come on um, out of the um, and maybe even come on you citizens um, Brighton and Hove Albion welcome to the Premier League we have an official Albion Derby next year as Brighton and Hove, Hove don't call it a comeback uh, Brighton and Hove uh, which again seems unfair it's always just like St. Vincent and the Grenadines I don't get to bring two teams up uh, but Brighton and Hove are both coming up they have clinched the number one spot uh, in the, uh, or they've at least clinched a top two spot in the championship. So they are going on. Uh, Newcastle, who are currently in second and are seven points uh, clear, or sorry, six points clear of Reading in third, uh, they have guaranteed themselves at least a playoff spot, and they're just a few matches away from getting themselves automatically back up. Right now in the playoff, it's Reading, Huddersfield Town, Sheffield Wednesday, and Fulham. Fulham and Leeds are dead on 73 points apiece with five matches, or I'm sorry, three matches each to play um, to try and get into that last spot leads with a nine goal differential to make up. So if Fulham takes care of business, they'll have a shot in the playoffs. But right now, Leeds trying their best to get to be a part of that. And uh, at the bottom of the heart, the relegation zone, Rotterdam United has been relegated, sorry. Rotterdam. Um, um, interesting we, with uh, that, uh, that that playoff scenario for the championship. You know, Leeds United, uh, former massive massive club mm-hmm. uh, for in the in the early days, especially in the Premier League. Um, it would be awesome to see Leeds get back in. Uh, Fulham, as we know, has been down for the last few years. They have one of the absolute hot properties of English football. A young left back named Ryan Sessegnon. Mm-hmm. Who, of course, it has been connected with a move to Liverpool because why what? the hell not? Yeah. Uh, and then Huddersfield, uh, actually, the manager of Huddersfield, uh, David, David Wagner, is a uh, a former member of the United States men's national team mm-hmm. and is a uh, a disciple of Jurgen Klopp. They are uh, worked together at Dortmund at my uh, maybe not Dortmund, I think at Mines. They were mm-hmm. together. Um, and he and Klopp have a very, very close relationship. Uh, I, I want to say off the top of my head that uh, Liverpool goalkeeper Danny Ward has actually been on loan all season at Huddersfield and has had a fantastic campaign for him. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, have a, I have a definite interest in this uh, upcoming championship playoff. Uh, don't want full month because I want him to sell a Sessignon. Uh, and, of course... I want to see my favorite Spanish waiter, Rafa Benitez, back in the league with Newcastle. Of course. Real quick, uh, my last note on here. Uh, Reading, again, somehow in third place, 79 points, plus two goal differential. Wow. I would love to go back and look at their scores. (laughs) Pretty amazing. 61 goals for, 59 against. 
who beat the shit well, out of them a few times this year? Let's see. I mean, if you just let's if we just go real quick, Reading uh, losing one two at home to Aston Villa. That's not a good start. Nil 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 nil. Three one win. Three two win. Two two draw. Two one win. Three nil win. Two one win. One one. There's no like weird scores. They're all just like super super close. Super close. Um, yeah, like, um, oh, wait a minute. Here we go. Um, lost to... <laughs> here we go. Uh, exactly. Uh, on the road, they were not very good. Lost 5-0 at Fulham, 4-1 at Newcastle, 7-1 at Norwich, uh, 3-0 at Preston North End. So, uh, there you go. That's how you can be in third place. And, uh... <laughs> when we lose, we lose spectacularly. So that's going to take us to our commercial break here on the Foreign Affair Podcast. When we come back, a quick news and notes segment, watch for, and so raw to round out the Foreign Affair Podcast. Back in a mo. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. And now that we're back from that mo, we are here on the Foreign Affair Podcast, Edward Green and Wes Bradshaw, episode 154, brought to you by NGSC Sports, and I'm Next USA. And Wes, we were talking just before the break about teams coming up from the championship. Well, one of those teams in the championship who isn't Rotterdam United, and they've already been relegated, they're trying not to get relegated, that's Birmingham City. And for their stretch run of a whole three games, they're bringing on the sad sack himself, Harry Redknapp, back in the championship. He was got tired, I guess, of being in Jordan, being their men's national team coach. So he comes on after Gianfranco Zola uh, resigned after they lost 2-0 to Burton. So, uh, Wes, they are currently, is Birmingham, Three points clear of relegation from Blackburn. Um, does does Ari keep them up for these final three matches? Uh, we, uh, yeah, shit if I know. God, Harry Redknapp hasn't been around the English mat game in it's been so a few weird. years. It's been three matches. Years. Yeah, I mean, I guess you gotta have somebody. I guess uh, <laughs> I don't know what the assistant coaching situation looked like there. Um. I mean, you would hope, you know, I guess maybe getting a, an experienced Premier League manager will kind of give the guys a boost. I, I guess, uh, like, I, I less less how will Redknapp do is just, can you remember, since you've been following football, a, a manager switched this late in the season? Well, there was boys getting fired at United. That was, that was oh, pretty yeah. late. But we we all knew that was coming. Yeah, but I mean, wasn't that literally like three or four matches left in uh, Ryan Giggs? Yeah, because yeah, Giggsy took over. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, like you said, I mean, that, there was no relegation being faced at that point. You know, it was just <laughs> okay. This just we just we just want to be done with this. Um, I mean, because with this, you're literally asking Harry Redknapp to come in and all right, you got three matches. You need to win at least one. Yeah. You gotta keep us up. Uh, yeah, that's 
that's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. So, uh, hey, the adventures of do Adam a job, Ari. Do hey, hey, Ed, do a job. maybe if he keeps them up. Yeah. New next England manager. <sighs> Why not? Why not? Hey, all, it, all, um, all it'll take is one draw from Gareth Southgate to lose all confidence. He's too and young. He doesn't know the ropes. The FA will say, well, look at how he, how he came in and, and kept these lads up, kept Birmingham up. He's got it. He's figured it out. He's 90. He's figured it out. He's <laughs> 90, but you know. Oh, well, in, uh, in somewhat more serious news, um, actually very much serious, more serious news than Harry Redknapp, um, we talked about the Dortmund uh, bus explosion from last week. Uh, it did come out that there was a letter that was discovered near the scene of the attack. Um, it was reported by Swedish Zitung uh, that the document was said to be a response to German military action in Syria against the Islamic State. Uh, the newspaper also said that the letter might be a deliberate attempt by the perpetrators to mislead investigators. So... Don't really have that much more information to go on. Um, but again, you just really feel for uh, Dortmund and what they're going through right now. And, and just the, the tough time they're going in the league and now getting knocked out of the Champions League. And with with the very real situation that some of their players are going through, it just it's it doesn't seem like we're going to get answers to this anytime soon. But that that is the current update to this. I hate you, you know, just. Uh, you know, you always kind of think of sports as the, you know, kind of like the little uh, distraction mm-hmm. from everything. You know, it's like, well, you know, things might be going to shit, but hey, we got a Champions League match. And then to, I know it sounds trivial, but like to screw with that, you know, it's like, damn, you really can't feel safe anywhere. Yeah, and that's that's when the escape is gone. That's that's when everything goes to shit. Truly, so still staying with you guys, Dortmund, and uh, we'll see if they can start to kind of recover from that. Now that they they got kind of bounced from the Champions League, unfortunately. Um, then we have to move on, Wes. That is our news and notes section for the day. So let's hit the watch for what have you been watching in the week that was. Or the week that will be, I bet it wasn't the O'Reilly factor. <laughs> it was not the O'Reilly factor. Oh, poor Dale. You can't watch it anymore. Oh, man. I have, uh, I have uh, well, unfortunately, had to watch a lot of Fox News this week, uh, mainly because it's been what's on at work. But I'll tell you, Ed, and don't let this name fool you, that's Sandra Smith on Fox News. Obviously not the one from the other spot we know one from. She is a stone cold fox. Gonna give it to her. Also, I Jennifer will. Gray from CNN, the meteorologist. Wow. Wow. All I'll say. I will take uh, your word for it. Trust me, Ed. Not the Sandra Smith you're thinking about. Uh, I finally got to watch uh, episode one. Yeah. I finally got to watch the first episode of um, uh, Dreamland. Have you have you seen it yet? I, I've seen the first two. Okay, I haven't seen the second one. I watched one last night. I made myself watch one before I went to bed because I didn't want to be even so far behind on this. And um, you know, first episode, you know, having to 
it's almost like a reboot of the show, even though obviously mm-hmm. there's a reason, but it's kind of like there's a reboot, so you're having to learn new people and new roles. Yeah, a little bit. God, it's fun already, though. Archer's totally, Archer acts a little, pretty much totally different in this. Though. For the first time ever, I heard him, like, apologize to a female. Yeah. Much less of an asshole. Yeah, much less assholey. Um, I'm really interested to see where this whole, like, World War II flashbacks go. Yeah, that's, yeah, interesting. I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm intrigued by it. It's, it's definitely something new. Um, and how is this uh, whole coma thing going to end? Very, 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 very mysterious. It's a mysterious, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it Jogo? Oh, it, it is. A mysterious Jogo. <laughs> um, what else happened on TV this week? Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but there's a new show called Hollywood Darlings. Oh, God. I literally have no idea why I have this on here. Um, but something something made me get it. And it follows three of our former uh, female teen stars around in a reality show. It is Jody Sweeten from Full House. Oh. Beverly Mitchell from Seventh Heaven. And Christine mm-hmm. Lakin from Step by Step, who I had the biggest crush on when I was younger. I can't picture her. I know exactly what uh, show you're talking was, about. She I was have... an owl. She was kind of like the tomboy sister who was like super hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what it's about. <laughs> but when I saw Christine Lakin, I was like, I've, I've got to at least record this and look at it because I loved her so much. So, uh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm recommending it to anybody, but mm. you ask me what I've been watching this week, and <laughs> I've got it recorded. And uh, looking at my work schedule, looks like I'm going to have a little little free time on my hands next week. So, Ed, I am planning next week on, uh, on tackling this, uh, this DVR. Oh, fantastic. I'm going to catch up on some shields. That's that's pretty much what I need to do too. I need like I need about a week. Um, I, I still have yet, yeah. I I still need. Uh, I have yet to watch any of Marvel's Iron Fist. Um, I have nine episodes of The Magicians, uh, seven episodes, which is one less than the full season of Broadchurch. Um, five episodes of Legion, five episodes of Saving Hope, and thankfully just one episode of Archer because God, we love Archer. Which is great, but Doctor Who just came back for its 10th season since the reboot. That's back. And then Silicon Valley is back this Sunday. Silicon Valley, an absolutely amazing show on HBO about the guys and trying to make the startup in Silicon Valley. That's the name of the show. Uh, But Thomas Middleditch and the other gentleman who I cannot remember his name he was in Deadpool um, Ryan Reynolds? No, no Ryan Reynolds is not on the show uh, he was he was the guy that owned the bar in Deadpool oh um um TJ TJ yes. funny guy who's like really dry TJ Hushmanzada that one um, oh okay yeah he, he plays <laughs> TJ like, Miller TJ Miller that's it that's it and there's also um uh, Kumail Nanjiani, um, who's really, really good. Uh, Martin Starr, Amanda Crew, 
There's a lot of really good people on this show, and it's just it's super super funny, and it's it's by Mike Judge. So if you like The Office, it's basically The Office in like the dot com world. So I mean, what complete with there's a rap song at the end of every show. So I mean, how could you not like that? It's 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 absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait for it to come back for now what I believe is its fourth season. I'm going to check on that real quick. Yeah, four seasons, uh, 10 episodes a season like most HBO shows. So going to have to check that out and add that to my already incredibly full <coughs> schedule. But um, really, really great to have some very quality shows on TV. And speaking of the return of some quality shows on TV, Wes... Jesus. Can we start saying that about the Monday edition of wrestling as we get so raw? Maybe? This may come as a surprise to you, Ed. Oh. Um, I heard that Raw was pretty good on Monday night. Because <laughs> I did not get the chance to watch Raw on Monday night. Oh, no. Yeah. Um... Now, I have heard my uh, complete recap, so I'm good there. I mean, I've heard recaps. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I heard it was, uh, apparently it was Monday Night Brawn. Oh, it's yeah. Everything apparently <laughs> revolved around Braun Strowman just, like, just destroying so human beings. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that's cool. I like Braun Strowman. He's, God, he's, like, so unintentionally hilarious because he's, like, supposed to be... <laughs> I mean, he's like this giant, bearded, like, terrifying man. <laughs> but he's, like, completely hilarious just because it's like, oh, my God, this guy's something. Uh, I promised y'all last week I would give you the update about the, uh, the superstar uh, shakeup. Mm. So let me give you those names real quick. We'll do a quick little recap this week, and we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming pay-per-views and what we've got booked. Okay, and our first group are going to go superstars who went from Tuesday Night SmackDown Live to Monday Night Raw. Okay, we got the Intercontinental Champion Dean Ambrose, which left all three members of the Shield are all on Raw now. Just throw that out there. Just throw that out there. Uh, We got The Miz and Maurice. Which is massive because The Miz was pretty much like the number one bad guy on SmackDown. So, hmm. uh, I, I hate I really, out of everybody who went, I really hated to see The Miz leave because he had just so cut out this niche on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. He was so good. So good. Uh, Bray Wyatt makes his way over there uh, just a few days, uh, about a week after losing the WWE title. Now, he apparently still has a title, a return title match with Randy Orton coming up at the Payback pay-per-view. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I just, I'm not thrilled to see Bray Wyatt move either because I just don't think they're going to use him properly on Raw. Anyway, um, Apollo Crews, Kalisto, Heath Slater and Rhino, and Kurt Hawkins complete the men's side who made the switch over. Um... None of those really do it for me. Uh, I like. I, I think Heath Slater's hilarious. Uh, Apollo Crews should be awesome, but he just has like no true personality to him. Kalisto's probably gonna end up in the cruiserweight division. Uh, Kurt Hawkins is literally. I don't know why they pay this guy. But in the big shakeup 
came in the women's division where mm-hmm. Mickey James, who just kind of made her return to SmackDown, the, uh, the former five-time women's champion, she makes the switch from SmackDown to Raw. And then Ed, the most bliss-tastic woman in my life, Alexa Bliss, has come to Monday Night Raw. I'm going to tell you, two weeks in on this, Alexa Bliss, she is, she might not come right over and win the Raw Women's title, but damn it, she is going to be right in the Women's Championship picture because she has just been fantastic. I mean, just the, the whole thing on Alexa Bliss, if you just look at the facial expressions that she makes, I mean, she... And she, she really might. She really looks like she just despises, like, everyone around her. <laughs> despises the fans. I mean, she was in her hometown. Um, I believe they were in Columbus, Ohio the other night. She is from Columbus, Ohio. And they were chanting her name, and she just gave the crowd this look of, like, oh, my God, you losers, stop chanting my name. Oh, no. I mean, in her own hometown. She wouldn't even take the cheers. It, it's phenomenal. She is beyond a shadow of a doubt to me. One of my favorite people to see on either show right now. And it's not just because she's super gorgeous. Um, she is really good. She is excellent on the mic. Um, she is a huge, huge pickup for the Raw Women's Division. And why is she a huge pickup, Ed? Because the nature girl herself, Charlotte Flair, has made the move. To SmackDown Live. Which at first I was like, wait, what the hell? But then I was quickly like, no, this is going to be awesome. Because the thing with Charlotte Flair, she's gone through everyone on the women's Mm -hmm. side of the Raw. I mean, you know, the last few weeks over there, she was relegated to having to put Nia Jax over, which, you know, Nia Jax is, she's big, she's strong, she's a beast, you know, she's powerful. But Charlotte Flair is just so freaking much better than her. And the fact she's had to put her over just sickened me. Charlotte has come over, has already made a huge impact on SmackDown. She is a... She, I'm going to tell you, that's one... That's, that is the one who crosses over male, female. It doesn't matter. Charlotte Flair is an absolute natural... She's got the look. She's got the size. I mean, she's a legit 5'9", 5'10". She's in amazing shape. I mean, she is a she is an absolute superstar. And to see her on SmackDown Live, that's awesome. Uh, making the move over, Rusev has made the move over. Now, he's actually out injured right now. But when he comes back, he will come back on SmackDown Live, which means Lana. My beloved Lana has also gone to SmackDown Live. We've been getting vignettes the last few weeks from her. It looks like she mm-hmm. may finally be ready to debut as a competitor, mm-hmm. which could be interesting. Could be interesting. Uh, Sami Zayn has gone over to SmackDown Live. That'll be good. You know, SmackDown Live is more match-driven, really, than Raw. Um, and Sami Zayn will really shine in that. He's going to be really good. Um, Tamina Snuka, eh, whatever. They just need another female on there, so they brought her back. Uh, Sin Cara, eh, don't care if I ever really see him. The team formerly known as the Shining Stars, they've been kind of rebranded as the Colognes, which is just who they are mm. naturally anyway. Epico and Primo, Cologne, 
Uh, they got a big win over American Alpha this week. And I thought you called them the Colognes. Well, their last name is Cologne, C-O-L-O-N. So, so are they the Colognes or are they the Clones? Cologne. Okay, I thought you said the clones. Oh, I was like, "What?" That's just my that's just my southern dialect. Not getting it out. It's a hell of a gimmick. <laughs> uh, but they are the, from the the famous the Cologne family is um, uh, generationally known uh, as like the first family of wrestling in Puerto Rico, uh, <clears throat> and they've been around in different incarnations in the past. But this one, I'm, I'm thinking this one could really kind of take off for them. Uh, it's it's been really good. They've been good so far. Let's well, say big win over American Alpha, um, which is kind of a hot tag team on SmackDown. Big win over them. Um, so Ronaldo offside again. Uh, <laughs> so you know maybe we're gonna get some from them. Um, Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Uh, the name Jinder Mahal doesn't really mean anything to anyone. He's a guy. Okay, he's been around. He never wins. I literally cannot tell you the last time I saw him win a match on TV. So, of course, he comes in, ends up in a six-man, uh, six-pack challenge for the number one contendership for the world title. And, by God, he goes out and wins. Of course. So folks, your number one contender right now for Randy Orton's WWE title is Jinder Mahal. Sure. Hey, they say SmackDown is the land of opportunity. <laughs> well, here you go. He's getting the opportunity. That's it. All that's it. Jinder Mahal has been really entertaining over the last month since he's come back. Um, and it looks like, you know, they are going to give him a chance over here. They're going to, you know, I think they're going to kind of say, all right, sink or swim. Here you go. But I'll say this. He won that match last night and he got real heat from the crowd. He got booze. And that means something nowadays because, you know, it's hard to be a heel anymore because, I mean, who are the best heels right now? AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, uh, The Miz. People love them because they're such assholes. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do you think I like that? I mean, every guy I just mentioned, I'm a huge fan of. Jinder Mahal is like, we really don't like Jinder Mahal. Um, so I'm, I'm interested. I'm I'm, I'm I'm definitely up for giving him the opportunity. Let's see what happens from this storyline. Um, the New Day have gone over to SmackDown Live. Obviously a huge pickup for them. Um, Kofi Kingston out uh, injured right now. He's had a little, he's had a, an ankle issue. So uh, when he comes back, we'll get the full three-man New Day. But uh, Big E and uh, Xavier have been active on there. And, of course, they're going to play a big part on there. And then there is a note. Kevin Owens actually came out and and started SmackDown Live. Uh, but there is a there is a stipulation. He uh, has a U.S. title match with Chris Jericho coming up at the payback um, pay-per-view coming up in a few weeks. And the winner of that match will be the U.S. champion and will officially be on SmackDown Live. So there is a chance that Jericho mm-hmm. could end up on SmackDown as well. I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, I think right now SmackDown Live could be fantastic for Kevin Owens because I think we could finally see the Kevin Owens that we really, truly believe could be Kevin Owens. Um, mm-hmm. He has just been he's been 
tough as nails these first few weeks, really talking a ton of shit. Um, you know, as much, and you know how much I love the whole Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens uh, deal over the last six months. Owens had gotten a little too comedic over time. Mm-hmm. He's going back really to like this complete like sociopathic asshole. And that's that's when Kevin Owens can really shine. So I'm excited about seeing Kevin Owens right now. Um, that's coming up. It looks like uh, AJ Styles is the number one contender for the U.S. title. So it looks like maybe when he finishes this business with Jericho, we're going to get AJ Styles and Kevin Owens in a feud coming up. And I, I cannot tell you how excited I am to see that. So that's going to be really good. Um, real quick, looking at the two pay-per-views coming up, uh, we have officially gotten that uh, we're going to get Braun and Roman coming up at the next pay-per-view, which is supposed to be a good guy, Roman versus bad guy, Braun. That said, Braun gets cheered more than just about anybody now. And Roman, as we know, gets booed more than anybody. <laughs> yep. So, you know how that'll go. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we have the House of Horrors match set up between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. No one no one can actually explain what a House of Horrors match is. It's kind of like the gimmick right now is no one knows what the hell this match actually is. It's an illusion. It could be cool. It could be really bad. I don't know which yet. Um, the Hardys. Uh, back on, <clears throat> they are on Raw, of course. Uh, they haven't gotten them into anything really too hardcore yet going forward. Uh, the, the, the question kind of on everybody's mind is when are we going to actually see broken Matt Hardy? As Right now, there's there's been some legal wrangling going on between Matt Hardy and TNA over who actually owns that gimmick. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, so we have not seen full bore broken Matt Hardy yet. Now, he still has some of the mannerisms. He's still using some of the words that kind of set him apart as Broken Matt. But we have seen nowhere near full-on Broken Matt yet. So I'm hoping I'm hoping sometime this summer we're going to get that to really happen. Uh, because that could really, really be extremely entertaining. Um, trying to think. Um... Got a few injuries this week. Uh, Scott uh, uh, Dash Wilder of the Revival, who the Revival had just come up from NXT, a, a very, very hot tag team. Um, at a house show, Dash Wilder broke his jaw. He's going to be out for a minimum of eight weeks. Uh, so that really, really sucks for a team like the Revival that uh, they're, you know, they were they were getting a really big push coming straight in. Um, they're going to you know, obviously have to slow that down. Let's see what happens when he comes back. Uh, good news, Finn Balor was back on Raw this week after suffering a concussion last week. So, uh, And they take it extremely seriously. So if he passed concussion protocol, he must be good to go. Uh, definitely, oh God, that's, that's been the problem for Finn Balor so far. Everything's been really stop-start due to injuries. So hopefully he can get a really nice run in here with no injuries and we can see uh, exactly what he can bring to the table. You know, I'm a big, you, you know personally, and I'm a big, big Finn Balor fan. So, oh, I do. Anything else? That's, uh, oh, uh, one, <clears throat> one rest in peace this week in the wrestling world. Um, Roman Reigns' older brother, actually, uh, who uh, was, you know, old WWE fans will remember him as Rosie, uh, passed away 
yesterday, age 47. Now, he's a good 17, 18 years older than Roman. Um, but uh, definitely sad, you know, for Roman Reigns to lose his brother. So uh, yeah. I think that'll that'll kind of wrap up this week's episode of So Raw. We're, uh, we're working toward the uh, post-WrestleMania um, pay-per-views. And we will just uh, we'll have to kind of see what happens going forward. There are a lot of a lot of interesting things could happen. You've kind of got to get through payback, and then I think we could really kick it up another notch going into the summer. I think they've got some guys in really good places. Uh, you know, I just want to see I want to see if they shake some things up. You know, we still have not seen Brock Lesnar since he won the Universal Title, um, so that's still out there somewhere for Raw. So let's see what happens. Well, we will have to see as we march towards the next pay-per-view because you know what they say, Wes. Payback's a bitch. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kurt Angle. Writing. As we, as we write the book on another A Foreign Affair podcast, this episode 154, presented as always by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop, even if this podcast is about to, as well as I'm Next USA. Do you want to be the next host of the yet unnamed successor to the O'Reilly Factor? You can join I'm Next USA so you can realize your dreams today. Suck it, Bill, though not literally, or else you'll be faced with another lawsuit. You can find all of them on Twitter, maybe even Bill O'Reilly, at AFA Pod. I really hate Bill O'Reilly. At AFA Pod. Wes, you are? I'm at West Branch on 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under the guise of the All New Sports Show as apparently some sporting directors in the great state of North Carolina still are. Now, we will be back next week with another great episode of the podcast. As always, this podcast is presented to you, or powered by, I should say, Zencaster. Thanks so much for them, as well as all our great podcast providers, including Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio app, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and the iTunes Music Store. Uh, when we come back next week, we'll have an FA Cup weekend recap. We'll let you know who's in the Final Four of the Champions League, who's also in the Final Four of the Europa League. Will Manchester United be there? We'll have to wait and see. We'll see if anybody else gets automatically promoted from the Championship, as well as another edition of News and Notes, Watch for and So Raw. Wes, anything else, though, to add before we get on out of here? Uh, one thing, you know, that last week, of course, we did our show on Tuesday night. So the normal case of the Thursdays actually hit us on Wednesday as uh, we learned of the death of comedic icon Charlie Murphy. Um, there is nothing that white people in our age demographic love more than screaming quotes from Chappelle show. It is, it is so our damn thing, and there is no one who gave us quotes other than Dave, quite like Charlie Murphy. Uh, he will always be known for the, uh, the true Hollywood stories of both Rick James. Prince played one of my favorite characters on the show, Buck Nasty. Um, I mean, maybe involved in, the th- in three of the greatest Chappelle show sketches in, in, in the Rick James true Hollywood story, the Prince true Hollywood story, and then the Time Haters 
where they go back and kill the slave owner. And before that, I mean, just the player haters ball was fantastic. Uh, you know, he plays um, uh, Rodney Quills in the World Series of Dice, where he makes sure he shoots Leonard Washington below the waist because then it's not attempted murder. Um, uh, he was. Projects. Uh, oh God, what was he on the Mad Real World? Oh, the guy who has uh, sex with the wheel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> was his name Tyrone? No, it wasn't Tyrone. Uh, I can't remember. But he had sex oh. with Katie, too. We know that. Uh, <laughs> and his boy Lysol was fresh out the joint. Uh, Charlie Murphy was an icon. Um, he was, uh, of course, early known as uh, his brother, Eddie Murphy. Or as we like to call him, the other Murphy brother. Uh, he was uh, Eddie's bodyguard. Eddie's... Um, kind of manager his his go-to guy and you know charlie murphy was just he was responsible for a lot of the funny shit that you've seen folks that's all you need to know he's been responsible yeah, for a lot of funny stuff i uh, have been battling leukemia so you know it was it, it's tragic but it wasn't one of those you know wholly unexpected deaths i guess you could say so um you know so we kind of dedicated this week's show to the memory of Charlie Murphy, and in the true Charlie Murphy iconic phrase, clap for me, bitch. Is it sad? Is, this was the most depressing, not the most depressing part, because the most depressing part is that Charlie Murphy is gone. Yeah. It was weird, though, because I was thinking of all the incredibly bad shit that had happened in in 2017 so far, and, and I remember it was, my thought was like, well, you know, at least as compared to 2016, we haven't lost that many famous people. Like, 2016 yeah, was the year of the dropping. sickle for famous people. Yeah, they were dropping. And I was like, oh. and I was like, okay, yeah, so no, we, we've had it pretty good so far in 2017. Like, two hours later, Charlie Murphy's dead. Oh, fuck everything, I guess. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the thing is, um, it would have been, if it was 2016... Charlie would have died last week. We would have had like four or five more between then and now. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Jay Giles died. But I mean, Jay Giles was kind of old at this point. So, Wait, who's Jay Giles? Jay Giles' band. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And of course today, Aaron Hernandez killed himself. Yeah, and as, as sad as that is, I'm not exactly... No, no. I'm broken not, up like I was about Charlie Murphy. No, no, because Charlie Murphy made us laugh. Aaron Hernandez made us cringe. Because he he did still definitely kill at least one guy. Allegedly. Uh, no, no, he was found lock-stocking guilty for that one, actually. <laughs> he was, oh, that one, yes. Yeah, the, the original one that he's in prison for life for. Yeah, don't, it gets so hard to keep track of all these. Let's, let's not forget, you know, I, I have no sympathy for Aaron Hernandez because this is a guy who was basically born and won the genetic lottery, um, you know, played for one of the better college football teams and coaches of all time, uh, went to maybe the best NFL franchise you could possibly go to, and decided, you know what, I've got all this money, I've got all this fame, I've got good things going for me, but damn it, I really want to be a gangbanger. If only he had reformed like Ray Lewis. Jesus Christ. Whatever. Bye. Allegedly. Bye, Aaron. Bye, Felicia. Oh, God. 
So for my call and crime, West Bradshaw, on that note, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Afford Affair podcast. We will catch you guys next week. And especially to our friends in Dortmund, stay safe and do, still even with the loss, enjoy the football. And good night, Munich. All tears everywhere. All more. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention, Manuel Neuer might be out for the season. Yeah, he broke his ankle. Oh, he eats a schnitzel. It's not great. We have Oktoberfest. It's not great. It's not great at all. Well, there you go. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.